This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning, Professor Ward Scott here, Coach Hogg right now in the Coach Hogg's locker room on a Monday before the storm, which we'll talk about quite thoroughly at the bottom of the hour, and we'll have a discussion about uh, some things that we all need to be aware of. Good morning, Ken Hill, you're out of the way right now in Atlanta, so about here we're in the bullseye. So uh, Coach Hogg's locker room this morning, of course, is... Uh, it's kind of disappointing to have to talk about another Gator loss. I Already I'm hearing uh, rumbles of um, uh, wait until next year. And I, I got to tell you that we've had a lot of that around here. i wait until next year for a long time. And it's not soothing music to the ears of Gator fans. Although uh, it seems right now this Gator set of fans is still willing to somehow uh, let the uh, jury stay out for a while and not deliver a judgment. They've got a game, the Gators do, that they should win rather easily, what you would think, coming up. It's kind of a scrimmage this weekend. I don't know how these things get on the on the uh, schedule, except the other school wants the money from coming here. But I, I, the Gators are enigmatic. They are puzzling. No one really has seen it all put together, except strangely it appears to have been all put together in the beginning game when they upset, and you have to call them an upset, Utah, uh, and it was um, it was a nail biter once again. They've all been nail biters, but it never had a complete team show up. One time the offense will show up, next time the defense will show up, and the two haven't met. And there've been fits and starts of, of brilliance, and then fits and starts of dismal disappointment. So the Gators remain a real puzzle. Meanwhile, uh, some things are smoothing, uh, 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 flying right along as expected. Alabama, of course, and Georgia. But the really interesting one was the tennis, uh, Texas A&M-Missouri game. I think it was Missouri. Uh, that was a nail-biter, and we'll have Missouri on our schedule soon. That will really kind of tell us ultimately, finally, where we are, uh, in the humble opinion of those who have been watching and analyzing these people for quite a while. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll figure out what's going on a little bit more sharply after that encounter. Meanwhile, I've got to tell you that uh, uh, I am really enamored and don't want to miss a game right now of the Darling Jaguars. The Darling Jaguars, good morning, Doug. You're out of the way. The harm's way down there. Um, the Darling Jaguars are under this new coach who knows the West Coast offense and obviously is an experienced pro coach. Uh, the whole uh, esprit de corps, enthusiasm, flying around out there like football players, the delivery of that quarterback who's really beginning to show why he was picked so highly has been dazzling. I mean, they've really been 100% all out from the beginning whistle and kickoff to the very end, and everyone doing his job and doing it pretty well. So I got to say that they are right now in my in my book of uh, and what does my book count – not even more than anybody else's book, I suppose. But the Jaguars are really exciting to watch and have put together a good coach and a good team that seems to be doing quite nicely. Of course, the Dolphins are emerging. I would call them the emerging Dolphins because they are, are uh, really have got a talented quarterback who can uh, bring them back from the depths of despair at any moment. The controversy about him, the Hawaiian kid, uh, whose name I never can get right, Tuugalo or something like that. He, um, they call him Tia, I think, for short. Hit his head pretty significantly on a really questionable hit by a charging 
uh, I think it was a linebacker trying to get him before he passed the ball. And uh, he wobbled off the field, and everybody thought, well, that's the end of him because of the concussion he probably incurred. He goes under a protocol, as they all do, and lo and behold, he emerges and plays the rest of the game. So there's been a probe into the whether or not there was some tinkering with the protocol to get him back out there on the field. But he is quoted in this uh, morning's publications in several places as saying it wasn't his head that bothered him at all. He passed that okay. It was his back that his back snapped as he hit the ground and he was able to get up and continue. I'll tell you, it's a, these guys that are playing in the NFL right now are very, very impressive. They are big and strong and fast and well-conditioned and well-coached and well-prepared. Uh, thank goodness there is no more kind of a display of some sort of patriotic challenge to muddy the waters at what it really should be about in that sport. But that's unlike what we've got going on, disappointingly, with the uh, University of Florida volleyball team. There are four girls there on the University of Florida. I think it's four. I have the video that someone sent me who saw it, uh, who take a knee at the national anthem. I got, I got, I got to tell you that 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 really is disappointing. Um, it, it's turned me off. I'm just one person, of course, but I'm not too interested in the volleyball team. I was interested in begin with a little bit more than I was in the past, but now, I mean, let it go. Uh, I don't think that should be taught. I think it's a distraction. I think it's irrelevant. That's my personal opinion. You don't have to agree with me. I think it's much better when the sport sticks to sport and gets out of the political shenanigans and does what it's being paid handsomely to do. Um, the college girls, they don't, you know, the old cliche right now is go tell this Briner girl, uh, Griner, who's in prison in Russia, if she still thinks that the USA uh, sucks and uh, they ask her how she likes it in Russia. Uh, that's obviously on everybody's mind. So I don't know what's to be gained by that except maybe losing some fans like me. Others don't seem to mind. They say, oh, well, that's their expression. They can express it. Yes and no. I mean, it's a team. And it's a team that you were brought to play a particular sport with. If you want to do a political stand, get on a show like this or, or and I don't, uh, you know, go down to the public square and get on a soapbox. But um, that's you as an individual. Um, but don't do the team thing. And, uh, and, bifurcate the team so i just wanted to put that we don't see that with the jaguars at least not my attempt to my tent we don't see it with the gators football i don't see it with the uh with the bucks or who had a tough uh, road to hoe yesterday with the green bay packers uh, they seem to be the bucks missing a couple of components that they need back it's always a dazzling display generally speaking uh, in the nfl there are no bad quarterbacks um, they are really high paid, highly trained, highly sought after. Um, they are really pretty doggone impressive athletes. And every team has to have one or they're not even going to be in the hunt. And they're getting either one of two. Of course, there's only a couple of types. They get a type like Rogers who can sling it decisively and quickly and accurately, doesn't run. Uh, a guy like Brady who doesn't run. Uh, or they're getting a, a, a guy who can do both and, and he can run and throw. And that quarterback, Chiefs have one, Ravens have one. Uh, uh, Joe Burroughs is over there kind of in the middle. He's a pocket passer doing a great job. So they all have really good quarterbacks right now. Probably the best through and through the league that I have seen uh, since I've been kind of a kid growing up. I began watching the, the NFL when Otto Graham Max Speedy, Lou the Toke Rosa, uh, those guys were playing for the Browns, Jim Brown, uh, those those people. And then later it was Paul Warfel. So that's how long I've been watching the NFL. Uh, the biggest guy in the NFL used to be for the Lions, Les Bingham. He was the first 300-pounder. Now we got college guys that are 400 pounds. It's just uh, a 6'5 and all that. So, you know, we've even put the fridge to shame, who used to be, of course, on the, on, on the Chicago Bears. Um, there, so I, 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 I summarize them, the, the enigmatic Gators, the darling Jaguars, uh, the emerging Dolphins, the perplexing Bucks. And then there's one more story that's interesting. 
and that is the rise of the aging player. The Wall Street Journal has covered this. It's kind of interesting. We've got college football careers now that are being stretched from four to five years, from that four to five years to as many as eight. And what has brought that on? Some of it has been COVID. COVID extended the eligibility. At Georgia, the uh, Stetson Bennett, the fourth or quarterback, is going to be 25 years old very soon. Uh, they've got guys in the – I don't think Joe Burrow's 25 years old yet. So, you know, we've got guys in the pros that are not 25 years old yet. Here we've got Georgia's quarterback that's going to be 25 years old. And um, he's one of the most popular people in the state since he's delivered them their national championship. So it makes uh, – it helps probably to have that age around. There are 17 quarterbacks in college football – uh, who are at least 23 or turn that age by the end of the 2022 season. And there's even a 32-year-old punter for Oklahoma State. Um, he says, um, by the way, there's a six-year Penn State quarterback, Sean Clifford, who joined the team in 2017. Uh, he says all this extra leadership is helping the guys. We've got 17-year-old guys coming in on the team who got guys like me around who are almost not quite 10 years older than they are. So all around the country, at least the veteran players, a lot of them are creeping up into their mid twenties. And uh, there's um, a bunch of 21 year olds that go to the NFL each season. So uh, there are many college players who are older than the 147 active NFL players who are currently 22 or younger. There are 147 active NFL players who are currently 22 or younger. And in some cases, these college players are the same age as professionals in the last four of their four-year rookie contracts. So uh, there's a Northern Illinois linebacker, Kyle Pugh. He has uh, completed one of the blessings of this. If they want to go, so go to school. Kyle Pugh has completed multiple advanced degrees he arrived on the campus in 2015, and uh, he's had a lot of injuries. And so he had torn biceps and shoulder injuries and this and that. That kept him around and eligible. He had to ask for a waiver in 2020-22, but he said his application with his uh, body and all probably wrote itself. Uh, so there he is. He's still and in the classroom. He's finished a degree in kinesiology and a master's and a bachelor's and a master's in sports management. Um, so these guys are are getting something out of this, and so is the school. Uh, they're often referred to as the old guy, and uh, or Methuselah or something like that. He said we've been called everything. Uh, the Golden Gophers uh, have a 24-year-old quarterback. There are four starters on the Golden Gophers who are in their sixth year on the team. Some of them have married. Some of them, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it's unbelievable. They've come back and raising families while they're on the college football team. Um, so um, this, this Oklahoma State punter is Tom Hutton. He's an Australian punter. who He started with Oklahoma State as a 28-year-old freshman. He had spent the previous decade in a trade school for carpentry. Then he worked in a paper mill in Australia, and he played Australian rules football. And all of a sudden, here he was at Stillwater, Oklahoma, uh, at 32 years of age, punting for the football team. So it, it, is a, it is really kind of interesting what we're watching out there. Fans continue to go. Of course, we've got a young quarterback here who everybody's waiting to become seasoned and uh, um, up to his apparent talent. Uh, that re that remains to be seen if that will ever happen. So I wanted to give you a little bit of Coach Hogg's uh, locker room here and give you the flavor of the pros and uh, and the college world and um, express a little disappointment in that we still have athletes who feel compelled to take a knee. I I, I just you know we're going to get in a little bit of that theme. Of course, we can't seem to get away from it. Um, this whole thing of playing the race car. And the reason I'm going to get into it in a moment is because of the, uh, the training that these uh, GPD cops are going to have to go through. But meanwhile, uh, you may have seen a, a pretty well done article on Kim Barton, 
that was in the Gainesville Sunset. Uh, Kim Barton is basically on the hot seat. And uh, I have to tell you that that whole story, uh, that whole ball of yarn started right here on the Ward Scott Files. As you'll hearken back to those days when we busted the story about uh, uh, Zuckerbucks, we busted the story about um, the uh, criminals signing up the vote in the jail. And then Breitbart picked it up. And then Politico and some of the other people began to to follow us. New York Times talked to me, um, talked to uh, our investigator, data analyst, whatever. You, they call him different names. And uh, now it's really reached a crescendo uh, where Kim Martin is going to be deposed. And her scheduled deposure right now is right close to the election. I think it's a day before the election in November. And I go, I'm going to tell you something now. Uh, you know, uh, what mad scientist put that together? I mean, that, that's really, why would she want to go in and be deposed for over two hours on something that's really rather shaky now? And, and uh, next day run an election, which she's run badly by her own admission. And believe me, DeSantis is watching this supervisor of elections. He said so publicly. He said, we, we can't put up with that. You know, not having enough Republican ballots, she should have driven them out there herself. She's blaming it on the poll workers. I was a poll worker. Poll workers are notoriously um, catch as catch can. You know, I mean, come on. Uh, you know, we just volunteer and we go down, receive a little training, but we're not the do. We're not the real deal. The real deal is a supervisor. And and you know, but we're always a scapegoat. I remember the time that Yvonne. Henson Rawls came inside one of the precincts during an election with uh, propaganda for her candidate. And there was a hue and cry about her being in there breaking the law. And Pam Carpenter was the, I'm pretty sure, was the supervisor then. And rather than uh, uh, go after Henson Rawls, who was a public official, of course, she's not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Inside that building, they fire the poll worker to appease the angry crowds. I mean, that ain't getting at it. That, that's that's not going to do it. And and but so there's a history of you know passing the buck and this stuff. Well, blame it on the poll worker, the hapless poll worker. Um, you ought to be a poll worker. Some of these precincts, there's nobody even shows up at them during some of these elections. And and and, and you know we've got this election now drawn out so long. There are people voting right now. I mean, with these, you know, these mail-in ballots and, 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 you know, absentee this and that, you know, you can't keep track of all this stuff. And, and we've complicated it in the name of diversity and inclusion. And it's, it's uh, done nothing but um, extend the notion that if you can make a fog on a mirror, uh, you can vote, which is crazy. I mean, you can't do it for anything else. You can't get a driver's license that way. You know the old arguments. So well, this is where we are. We've got, I don't know how tight the noose is going to get on Kim Barton now because the governor is what the governor has heard us. He's heard, he's never mentioned the Ward Scott Files by specifically, but we know darn good and well how he learned about what's going on in Lodgeville County. He learned because of the work we did to break the news, to set the table, as somebody told me the other day. Ward, you set the table, and then we all come to it and start doing our part. Well, we will put it out there. If it's sound and it's got documentation, we'll put it out there. I was approached yesterday about uh, putting some things out there that are going on about uh, the city of Gainesville, which the Gainesville Sunset's not going to print. Channel 20 can't touch. Who's going to put it out there? Who's going to let you know how bad that fiscal the money situation is in the city of Gainesville. And it's only going to get worse. You wait till this storm hits and the power goes down and then the rates go up and the and the and all this had all this hit. It ain't got to they now ready to to make up for the money they've wasted and can't find. They're stealing from the GRU and nobody has any forum to talk about it. Uh, they shut you up at the microphone. At City Hall, nobody covers that. So I've told the people, if you put the story together, I'll have you on the show. You can tell it. 
But I ain't got time to go put it together. I'm not going to put it together. I don't live in Gainesville. I mean, they really, I, you know, I'm going to, you know, it's just ridiculous. So, but anyway, they may do it. If they do it, I'll put it on the show and you guys can listen to it. But we've talked about it before, how irresponsible the, man, the managing of money is there. I mean, I mean, it's just crazy. And, and you know, how I'm going to get into the whole police world in a minute. But Kim Barton is on the hot seat. Now, T.J. Pichet is going to be uh, deposed unless he takes the fifth, which he's already done uh, in, a, in a beginning of next uh, of, of next month. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's only going the seat's only going to get hotter, particularly now uh, that we are looking uh, at uh, the governor is looking at it. Now, there's an interesting kind of sad sideline here. Pete Antonacci who the governor appointed to be the head of the Election Integrity Committee uh, of the state of Florida. And by the way, as I say this, you have to understand that the censors are hovering around this show, just waiting to pounce on it in case it questions any of the acceptable narrative about elections. Um, but at any rate, you know, that's the way it is. And this is nothing but the truth. So uh, here we are with another election coming up and nobody wants to really call it what it is. The fact that a lot of people have lost confidence in it. So Pete Antonacci was made the head of this election integrity committee and dropped dead in the halls of the governor's office after quote unquote, uh, a heated conversation among uh, uh, FDLE and some other agencies that are participating in this roundup of these people who committed voter beep and uh, he dropped dead. He dropped dead. So I can tell you, we read between the lines. We were talking about this yesterday because we had just gotten a letter uh, a couple of weeks ago from Pete Antonacci saying, bring me your uh, evidence and I'll darn sure pursue it. And I, I, we got it, I think on Ward's hot bulletin board, but I did, re- I did re- share it with you. And, and, uh, now he's dead. And so the governor's going to have to appoint somebody else. We have no idea what that quote unquote, according, uh, to, according to some of the news people, uh, heated argument was about. But there was a heated argument that was going on with Antonacci and some others. And Antonacci walked out of the room. They, everybody on the, in the meeting thought to catch a, a, a moment of, 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 of uh, relief and they fa- didn't come back and they found him dead in the hall. So I'm telling you now. When I talk about the hot seat, there's a lot of pressure right now on people to do their job. Uh, if you read the Sunset article, Barton's claiming, oh, you know, I got this handicap here, that handicap there, I'm short staffed and people this and people that. You know, come on, it's irrelevant. Do the job. I mean, get it done right. Or the governor has threatened to do something about it. And um, of course, the Democrats are going to challenge his ability to do that. I think they're going to lose. I, I, you know, I've not seen the governor lose much. If he, by the time he takes a public action, he pretty much has researched it. Now, with the cops, and I just got a phone call before I went on the air from a, uh, uh, I'm going to disguise the person, but it was a, uh, a police dog handler uh, informing me, uh, and you may have read it, uh, I think it was picked up somewhere, maybe in the Chronicle, uh, that the guys who handle the dogs and the guys and even the dog uh, and also the guys who were standing around afterwards conversing with themselves in an improper way are going to have to go to guess what? Guess what? Here you are. And you, you just don't. Once upon a time, and, 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 you know, one of the former sheriffs, two or three back, told me this. Ward, it's not like it used to be. Once upon a time, the sheriffs would just be riding down the road and see a guy on a tractor in a field, stop and get out and go up to the guy on the tractor and say, would you like to be a deputy? And the guy say, yeah, it beats the hell out of driving his tractor. Now, here, get the badge and gun and take off. And that's the way they picked up their deputies. They don't do that now. They go through hundreds of hours of training, all sorts of training. Well, now, on top of all that, we've added one more training 
series these guys particularly have to go to who made, quote unquote, insensitive remarks uh, and found themselves recorded and therefore found themselves being heard and therefore found themselves having to go get sensitivity training and guess what department is going to give it to them. The Gaines, city of Gainesville Department of Diversity and Inclusion is going to reprogram the sensitivity of the cops who were snickering at the crime scene uh, about the, the, the hapless soul who the dog had to encounter because the guy, goes, oh, no, it wasn't ran. I mean, he, he, it couldn't have been his fault. And he ran and it hid in the bushes. So it wouldn't come out. So uh, and nobody knew what he had in the bushes. So they weren't going to go in there because he might have who knows what. So they sent the dog in. So if you were standing back away and you had any comments about it that were picked up that weren't sensitive, sensitive, my golly, man, have we come a long way in police work. Now you're going to have to go to 30 hours, as I understand it, from my tip I received before I went on the show, to the, the Department of Diversity and Inclusion and get sensitized. But the great thing about this, from what I understand from my tipster, is once you've gotten this training, guess what? You're going to get overtime. and You will never, ever figure out how you're going to get overtime. How would you? I'm going to look at the chat line see here if anybody can guess. I don't even know if old Lloyd Bailey can guess how you, Lloyd, how do you think you would end up, remember Lloyd, uh, there's never an ill wind that doesn't blow somebody a good. How do you think you're going to actually make money off of being compelled to go to sensitivity training and be certified as a sensitive guy by the Department of Diversity and Inclusion? How do you think, how do you think you're going to make money off of that. I'll take a sip of coffee and see if anybody can guess it. I would never guess it. How would you make money off that? I'll tell you how you make money off of that. Since you are now certified to handle sensitive issues, and where are the most sensitive issues? They're with black folk, right? Particularly, that's where the sensitive issues are. That's how if you get cross raised in the road, you get sent to the Department of Diversity and Inclusion. So when you come out of that department, though, it's right out of I don't know what it's out of. It's out of Clockwork Orange or something. I mean, you remember in Clockwork Orange where the thugs were thugs and then became cops and beat up one of their own thugs. He came out of sensitivity training. Oh, my God. What a movie. But anyway, anyway, he, these guys are going to go through sensitivity training when they come out they are going to be my tipster told me the first guys who will be called to any interaction between cops and blacks because it all could be insensitively done right so we're going to have cops there on the spot as i understand it from my tipster now correct me lonnie scott if i'm wrong correct me tony jones i can't figure out what tony jones does I know it's six figures. All right. You want to know where your, some of your money's going? Go follow Tony Jones around and figure out what in the world is he doing for the city of Gainesville? Well, supposedly, I guess he's rounding up gangs. or so. I don't know what he's doing. But if you want these guys who get sent to the, uh, the this training school and come out certified as sensitive, you will be asked to go to all the sensitive situations. Let me see if anybody figured that out. Uh, I don't see where anybody figured that out. <laughs> I don't see where anybody figured that out. I mean, well, why would you figure it out? It's stranger in fiction. I mean, how, what, what, what would make you think? <laughs> what would make you think? But remember, the old sailor's adage, there's never an ill wind that blows somebody a good. So, okay, so you get pegged for making an insensitive remark. It's on the air uh, to assuage the, the, the maddening crowds outside the jailhouse door, you the chief, create department, uh, well, the city did, under the boy named uh, Lauren and the uh, communist commissioner and all those people. So communist Cuban commissioner, uh, they all, <laughs> and so you're now certified. I, I, maybe you'll get a badge or something. But anyway, you'll make overtime. 
That's what my tipster said. You're going to make overtime. There's going to be so many. Are you ready for this? There's so many, quote unquote, insensitive interactions between the cops, many of whom are black, by the way, <laughs> and black folk, that you'll have to have a specially trained, sensitive cop called first. And my God, he'll quickly exhaust his regular hours and be paid sensitivity overtime. Oh, boy. There you are. There you are, Rick. They will now get extra pay as it well, not just a certification on the resume, but actual use. I mean, they'll be called out. So because there's so many people who are going to holler as this young victim did. Well, it wasn't my fault that I had the gun and I, had, I was a felon and I shouldn't have had the gun and I had the drugs. And it wasn't my fault. I did. It wasn't my fault that I ran. It wasn't my fault that I hid in the bushes. It wasn't my fault that it wouldn't come out. It was the cops' fault for chasing me. They should have just let me go. So there you are. Inclusion training for cops. We'll be right back on the Word Scott Files with a talk about this gathering storm. Stay tuned. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth. All bees poop. A warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. All right, welcome back to the Ward Scott Files. We have some serious things to talk about here uh, during the weather. Uh, thanks to Lewis Oil for giving us this opportunity to talk about the weather with you. Um, and today it's a little bit more than, you know, the temperature. And so those of you who are listening to us from all different places, a lot of people actually listen to the show, uh, different parts of the country, different parts of the world. Uh, right now we're in the bullseye here in the Piney Woods of North Central Florida. In fact, the whole state is. And if you've been following this, of course, uh, you'll understand our angst right now. Let me just give you some anecdotal stories um, that uh, may help you understand the, the urgency we're going through right now. 
yesterday, which was Sunday here, for example, in our hemisphere. I know um, uh, Ted Yoho is over in St. South, ends in Vietnam right now and uh, catches the show. So he's actually a day ahead of us, so it's, I guess it's now Tuesday there. But um, went to Lowe's to get some things just to fix a little leak we had in a faucet out by the cattle troughs. And place was just jumping with people walking out the door with generators. And uh, understandably, you know, they want power. And they want to be able to get some of the basics. And there was a brisk sale of generators. Anything, water, gone, forget it. Uh, we went over to our local store here, Hitchcock's, to, uh, and every single form of water was gone. I'm talking about distilled water, drinking water, uh, gator, all that stuff was gone. And this was Sunday afternoon, uh, really Sunday, late Sunday morning. Uh, went to the gas stations here, already lines of backing up to get gas. Now, one of the things that is concerning us here is one of the paths of trajectory takes it right across where we are. And we're already pretty saturated from heavy rains having accumulated. And now we're going to get a, certainly a, a rain ep uh, uh, episode and, and on top of that, real heavy damaging wind. So we don't even know, I'm, I'm, the way I've been looking at this, I've been looking at it all morning before it went on the air. Um, we may have a show Wednesday, and we may not have a show Wednesday. We'll know more tomorrow. Uh, we'll know um, definitely uh, it's supposed to impact by Thursday. So I don't know what Wednesday is going to be like. We'll be watching it very carefully tomorrow. And we're due to Zoom with Ted Yoho from Vietnam Wednesday. And I'm sure he'll be able to um, communicate from his end. But I'm not so sure uh, we can communicate from our end, but we'll do what we can. Uh, just to let you know that from here on out, this is a very probably the less uh, mild day we'll have. Maybe tomorrow still be kind of mild. But then uh, you'll be beginning to catch gathering storm. Now, uh, Fiona, which we did not get, but which a lot of people did. I just want to give you kind of a summary of what Fiona did to, of all places, Nova Scotia. Now, I don't know if you've been to Nova Scotia, New Scotland. It's a lush green place. It's uh, um, I've got some beautiful. Um, this, one thing about Nova Scotia is no advertising on the roads. So you don't see all that stuff. And you realize, why am I? Why is the countryside so beautiful? when you're driving down it and you realize it's beautiful because there's, there's no billboards. Uh, they don't allow it. At least when I was there, they didn't allow it. Uh, they got a great place there called Meat Cove, which is up in the northern part of Nova Scotia, as I remember it. But Nova Scotia, uh, right in the path of a, a historic blast from that Fiona hurricane. Now, here's what it did. Now, I'm going to talk about what it did to Nova Scotia and this is in northern cold waters. And I'm going to say, I hope this isn't what we're projecting with the one coming our way now. Uh, but there were hundreds of thousands of people without power as recently as yesterday in Nova Scotia. We're not even talking about Puerto Rico because some reports say a lot of that is still without power. There were more than 400,000 Nova Scotia power cu customers that still had outages as of Saturday. Um, there were um, uh, most of the Prince Edward Island was without power. Uh, businesses and homes, uh, Nova Scotia power uh, was struggling to restore everything. It, this uh, Fiona made landfall in eastern Nova Scotia and moved north and over the eastern Gulf of St. Lawrence and then on out to the Labrador Sea. Wow. Now, in its path had been the Caribbean, which included Puerto Rico, the Dominican Republic, and et cetera. Uh, uh, Bermuda escaped with a narrow clip and had no heavy damage. It was projected possibly to come right over Bermuda, just as it's projected possibly to come right over here, where we are right now. 
we're hoping that's not the case. We don't want somebody else to get the worst end of this, but somebody is going to get it. Uh, there's no way you can cut it. Uh, in Nova Scotia, uh, storm washed houses away, uh, actually literally floated in the ocean. Uh, what we've got going on in Tampa is, as I've been watching the uh, weather channels, the problem is, is the storm surge is going to push all this water in, and then all the water has got to try to get out. And how it gets out after it's, while it's coming in is going to remain a huge, huge problem. So Fiona, by the time it made landfall in Canada, was 100-mile-hour winds and was a Category 2. They're talking actually about uh, the, the, uh, the hurricane approaching us as, as being Category 4. Um, I am, I am uh, I'm holding, I'm hoping, you know, as everybody is, we're, we're, we're holding our breath here. We, we, uh, let me just check real quickly where we are with this and see if we can get an update for you. I've got a couple of weather apps here that uh, should take us out there. If you'll hang on for a second uh, while we get a feed from it. And you're probably up to date as I am. But uh, the, the on tracker, uh, uh, we'll see where it is. Um, and we're looking particularly at our county. Forecasted impacts, if it comes here where we are, is a peak wind gust of 91 miles an hour with a total rainfall of 8 to 12 inches. Um, that's a 48% probability that we'll get 8 to 12 inches of rain here. That's a, that's a pretty good probability that it will happen. The uh, probably, oh, this is very interesting here where I'm broadcasting from. Um, the impact of this will start at 2 p.m. Wednesday, 2 p.m. Wednesday, and will end at 11 a.m. Friday. Now, 2 p.m. Wednesday is one heck of a lot better than 2 a.m. When a storm hits in the middle of the night, there's a lot more terror associated with it than when it hits in the day. So let me give you the latest I've got here. It is scheduled to impact Alachua County Wednesday at 2 p.m. and end at Friday at 11 a.m. with a rainfall probability 48% of 8 to 12 inches of rain and winds at 91 miles an hour. Just checking some more things here for you. That's about the most up-to-date thing I've got right now for you. So those of you who are thinking there will be an opportunity to stock up on whatever you need, I would suggest get it now. I think that's going to conclude the weather for today. Any other weather would be insignificant in comparison to that comment about weather. Uh, one interesting thing about we're talking about gassing up and the ability to get gas. The ability to charge an electric car, if you can do it, would take about three hours if the power is available. Now, how long does it take you to fill up your car? What? Five minutes? Ten minutes? At the most? How long does it take you to charge your car? Three hours? Three hours provided? There is power available to charge it from. And how would you back up power at your house to charge your electric car? Whereas you can store extra fuel at your house. I saw people filling their five-gallon cans. And by the way, 
a five-gallon gas, not a can now, plastic container at Lowe's yesterday was $26. Okay? If you've got a lot of containers around that for some reason or another you fill your lawnmower with or this or that you don't use, don't throw them away. You're throwing away, if it's five gallons, $26. We were walking through the store and we just stopped, looked at it, we couldn't believe it. And this is all this stuff that Biden doesn't want to talk about. And by the way, we know the dangers of living in a culture where 1% of the people provide the food for the other 99, which is our country. It takes no time to clean out a food market. In the Hitchcock market, one whole wall of the outside porch has always been stacked with water on pallets. None. Gone. How long did it take? Maybe an hour, two hours. Gone. These are the perils of uh, of a culture that uh, I don't know whether Biden understands it or the climate changers or whatever. You know they're so obsessed with with the race car. I got I got to share a couple things with you, kind of blow my mind. Okay, they're so obsessed with the race car. I just talked about it with you, with the fact that these these guys from GPD are going to go to sensitivity training, which is you know you're going to have your mind repro. In Clockwork Orange, actually use some sort of drug in his glossies uh, and do it chemically. I guess ultimately that's the way you do it. But what are they going to have to, to come out of there when they're sensitive? What are they going to have to be sensitive to? And uh, would this be one? I mean, this is this, I, I, would this be in the, I'm just going to put this in and ask you if this would be in the, City of Gainesville sensitivity training curriculum. The White House Friday had to respond to calls from people. Are you ready for this? You may have heard this and it's old news to you. It's worth hearing again, I guess. People who were calling the White House wanting to get the White House to change the name of monkey pox. Okay? Monkey pox. I'm, I'm sure you've heard of it. Because the use of the name monkey pox stigmatizes black LGBTQ and members, black community members, and LGBTQ members. Just the black LGBTQ, not, not the white LGBTQ, but just the black LGBTQ and the black community are stigmatized by the name monkeypox. Say they want Joe Biden and his crowd to change the name. And they've got the National Black Justice Coalition involved in this. And they want the name to be changed to an acronym MPV, which would mean monkeypox virus. But you wouldn't be able to say, I guess this needs to be in the curriculum. The sensitivity training curriculum, wouldn't you think, of the city of Gainesville? Don't say monkeypox, say MPV. Because you know what, you know where they're going with this. 
the black community says calling it monkeypox by the white supremacists links black people. Are you ready for this? I'm not making this up. I could never have thought of this. I don't think this way. Links black people to monkeys and apes. Furthermore, if you dig a little deeper, and I'm, I, 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 I am just referring to that which was a publicized, uh, written about by A&P. Um, if you dig a little deeper, it, it, is so, it is so that this virus has been consistently found in Africa for years, particularly in Nigeria. And for a long time, it was considered to be exclusively an African disease. Now, I do know, if you go back and research, that AIDS started in Africa with an interaction of human beings and animals. Apparently, COVID started in China with an interaction of humans and animals that, you know, come on. So, The press secretary for Uncle Joe, Jean-Pierre, we know how much harm this is causing. Um, we're going to look into this and, you know, I don't know what all that means. They may have been, been backpedaling. But according to health news outlet, an organization, any name change to monkeypox will likely not happen anytime soon. Uh, a name change is not expected until next year. Uh, the International Committee on Taxonomy of Viruses is the one that conducts the naming and examination of viruses to ensure that they are in compliance and identify uh, other life forms that are officially related to it. Um, so there won't be any final decision soon, but it's been put out there. It has been and maybe it will be in the sensitivity training of the GPD police officers. You know, I don't go looking for this stuff, but since I started wondering about if I were conducting a sensitivity training class, what would I put in it? I guess you know, what would I have to take? How would I study for it? Uh, do you know that according to David Leonhardt, who writes regularly for the New York Times, which is anybody who knows these publication worlds knows is a real lefty organization, has written the following. I had this in the Midnight Auto Yard of articles. I didn't know if I'd ever have an occasion to use it. But I guess thinking about the curriculum, why wouldn't this be in the curriculum? David Leonhardt says that a surge in vehicle crashes is disproportionately harming lower income families and black Americans. And he has a graph here that the rate of US passenger vehicle deaths in 2019 for blacks was 8.21 per 100,000 people, all the way to whites 6.33, and for Asian 1.42, and Latino 6.81. Now who in his right mind would sit around and compile, I guess, insurance, I don't know, but he's written a big article about it. the unequal toll from crashes is notable in the U.S. more than anywhere else. Who do you think is behind this gathering? I went wondering who is gathering all this data and to what end and is none other than Pete Boudicay. He is the transportation secretary. Secretary of Transportation. He's the LGBTQ guy who ran for president unsuccessfully, if I remember. He has, I don't, I have to take a breath. I have to take a cup, I have to take a sip of coffee. I, 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 don't, I don't know how to relate to this. He has taken taxpayer money and has gone looking for the increase in vehicle deaths among blacks. 
I don't know what to tell you. Here it is. It's all a big article in the New York Times. Huh? Now, here's the most plausible when you dig down and an expert from the University of Wisconsin apparently challenged a little bit of this. He's an urban planner of all things. And he said the most plausible theory is alcohol and drug abuse has led to impulsive behavior like running red lights and failing to wear seat belts. I think the guy who was pulled over who eventually lost his eye to the dog, Ranger, had rolled out of a an apartment parking lot without stopping. Which I guess those who enforce traffic laws feel is a dangerous habit. So could it be? God forbid, I don't think you can draw this comparison, though. I just don't think that you can do it without being hauled off to sensitivity class. Draw the comparison between alcohol and drug abuse, running red lights and failing to wear seat belts and this, that way and another with race. I, oh, my. I don't think, boy, I don't think that's going to be in. I don't think that's going to be in the curriculum. OK. But it's all over the place. I mean, here's something I'm going to sling away now. I mentioned to you. In Baton Rouge, Louisiana, the Associated Press, the new, you hear this all the time, the new voting precincts are diluting black influence at the polls. Uh, it's a long article here. It's, it's a, it's a it, 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 you know, never mind the fact that we increased the voter influence of, of the poll, of the black. The classic example is Corrine Brown's gerrymandered district. And you saw what she did with it. So that's all through the doggone. I guess that'll be in the sensitivity training curriculum. Huh? There you go. I mean, here is the really, I think, the reason we got this. You remember that the population of Gainesville began with the landing of the UFO by the Lake of the Stupids in 1947. Well, now do you know that we are going to, we have an organization called DART, which is NASA's Double Asteroid Redirection Test, and we are going to try to shoot out of the intergalactic, outer galactic, an asteroid flying a spacecraft at a high speed, 14,000 miles per hour, into a relatively small asteroid, which has never been done before. Uh, Dimorphos orbits uh, a, a large asteroid. Uh, it, it is uh, Didymus. It was its Greek twin. Um, these asteroids are out there. That they're going to practice this on. Uh, they are going to try to hit something that's the size of two football stadiums that you can't see until about an hour before hitting them. Um, and the um, worrisome thing about this asteroid is potentially the global climate repercussions. You know, they think the dinosaur ex was extinguished, not from climate change, but from an asteroid impacting the Earth. Uh, so now they are concerned, uh, among other things, that if this thing ever happened again, it could wipe out a major city with a direct hit. So by golly, NASA today, as I understand it, is going to try to fire uh, at 7.14 p.m. Uh, Eastern time, to be precise, according to the Post article, 7.14 and 23 seconds. There is going to be an attempt to shoot an asteroid down. It's about this. Uh, it's going to be a vending machine sized spacecraft that is 7 million miles from Earth. It wants to crash into an asteroid. I tell you, I tell you, it's the best explanation I've got for why the city of Gainesville is so crazy. We're all command center out.